I am very happy to be with our Christ Journey family today. Those of us that are gathering at Gable's campus, Kendall's campus, Miami Beach, live streaming with us today, feel the love. We uh, love and embrace every person. And those that are joining us in real time right now through social media and online church across the nation, around the world, wherever you are from, we're a John 3.16 church. God loves the world. And what that means to me, right before I came down, I was speaking with somebody from Uruguay, uh, Venezuela, Cuba, and Brazil in our prayer time upstairs. And then when I came down, I met someone from Ecuador. And, you know, I mean, we are a multinational expression of a God who loves the world. And so we are praying that you will feel his love wherever you are in your world today. And I'll tell you where I am in mine. Uh, my heart is tender and vulnerable. I want to report back to you. Thank you for your prayers as Lisa and I went to Houston to express our love and condolences to the Yuri family at the passing of our, uh, our dear friend, Pastor Dan Yuri, who served this church for 18 years uh, prior to going to North Phoenix Baptist Church. And, um, and so heaven is richer today. But we feel his absence. And, um, and then you know what happened to me as well? And my heart is tender about that. Um, I got back after last Sunday morning uh, in, in speaking to our congregations. I got home and heard that another dear friend of mine, a mentor uh, to so many within our church family, uh, Tracy Wagnon, passed last Sunday or last Saturday. And I heard about it Sunday night. I'll be officiating his uh, services on Tuesday in uh, Sarasota, and for so many in our youth ministry here, Tracy was a profound, uh, dedicated follower of Christ who served young women, young men, who helped raise them up to find their place in God's kingdom, Rafael Thengia, um, Anthony Gonzalez, Luis Santa Marina. I mean, this is what our people do. When we say our church is family, that's what we do. We help each other's kids. We help each other's families. We pray for one another. He prayed for me every day. Uh, on Sunday, he would join us on the property. On Wednesday, he would, that was his day to pray for me. I have men who cover me with prayer uh, throughout the week, and he was the Wednesday guy. And so, um, so I'm missing him today too. But I want to say in the presence of God and the house of his worship that absent from the body means present with the Lord. Would you say that with me? Absent from the body present with the Lord. Wherever you're joining us, whatever campus, if you're sitting right in front of a screen right now, here's what the scripture teaches. Here's what we embrace in our faith. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Let's say it together. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And the Spirit of God is present with us today. And so we're praying that he will open your understanding to a deeper friendship with him. It's a new year. We're in a new teaching series New Decade, and uh, the teaching series that we just came out of in December was from the Psalms, but they were the Psalms that pointed to the coming of Messiah. Now we're going to stay in the Psalms, but we're entitling it Songs to Live By, um, and what we learned last time we were together from Psalm 1 was that to live well requires making quality decisions quality choices. And so we started by saying, how can we make better choices? That's Psalm 1. And now today, Psalm 139 is the song that we're looking at, which teaches that living well also requires quality companionship. Quality companionship. 
Friendship. And it doesn't matter your generation. Here's what we know. Friendship has been a quality theme of companionship for generations. And I'll tell you what I mean. Boomers, you probably remember this song by James Taylor. You've got a friend. You just called up my name. Oh, look at you. And you know wherever I am, I'll come running. Yeah, see, you feel that, right? Okay, but then I bet there's another generation that's checking us out right now who can sing the words to this song, the theme song from Friends. Yeah, look at you. You know this, right? And then you know what? There's another generation. That was a different generation. There's another generation that, like, the theme song from Golden Girls. Anybody remember that song? Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Yeah, not so many of you singing on that one. Because, you know, in Miami, there aren't, there's only, like, there's a generational lid, and once you hit it, you know, you're, you're young forever. Um, but, you know, the, ch- the song that we chose for today is, uh, is one that covers a lot of generations right now in our country, and it's, it's this song, you, You've Got a Friend in Me. You've got a friend in me. Yeah, we thought you might want to sing along on this one, You've so we put the words up. When the road looks rough ahead and your miles and, and miles from your, your nice, nice warm, warm bed. bed. Just remember. You just remember what your past is. Boy, you, you got Everybody, everybody, here we go. All campuses. Yeah, you, you got, got a friend in me. me. Yeah, you got that right. It's Why am I doing that? Because it's, it's like apparently from, from these, every generation seems to know that friendship matters. That traveling through life with a quality companion is part of how you live well. And a friend, everybody knows, everybody wants and needs a friend. Somebody who's going to be there for you. Somebody who's going to get you. Somebody who's going to there to help you. Somebody who's going to guide you, especially if you're through the tough times, you know. The tough times come in and your friend shows up. That you know that to live well requires quality companionship. Somebody who never gives up on you no matter what. And the writer of Psalm 139, Psalm 139, definitely agrees. But he also has a big surprise in answering the question, who could that friend be? Spoiler alert. You know where he's going with this? The promise-keeping, covenant-making Lord God over all friend. The creator, protector, provider God who is thinking about you. He made you. He knows you. He gets you. He cares about you. He wants to listen to you. He wants to journey with you through life. He wants to guide you. He wants to work deeply inside you. That's what David's about to tell us about this. And what he's actually doing is like letting us in this song. He's like letting us peek into his friendship with God. There's something very unique to the God of the Bible. If you're new to the Bible, 
something very unique to the God of the Bible is his desire to have deep personal relationships with people. Friendship. James chapter 2, verse 23, Abraham, father of the faithful, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness and he was called God's what? Shall we say it together? Friend. Yeah, Abraham was God's friend. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, the Lord spoke to Moses. Big story in the Bible. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as someone speaks to his friend. Jesus tells his disciples, John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is, but instead I have called you what? Friends. Because everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. It's what friends do. So David's right in line with others in Scripture when he says he's enjoying a friendship with God. Everybody needs a friend and a companion to journey through life. But what does it mean to have a friendship with God? That's what this talk is about. That's what this psalm is about. And I want to tell, I want to just summarize it real quickly here. First, you're going to be known by God for who you really are. You're going to be known, verses 1 through 4. Then you're going to sense him with you. That's verses 5 through 12, which, let me just tell you, this is greater than may the force be with you. This is like, may God, your friend, be with you. That's uh, verses 13 through, or 5 through 12. Then verse 13 through 16, it says, you're going you're gonna to understand what masterpiece you are. You're going to be a masterpiece surpassing extraordinary to have a friend with God. Then verse 17 and 18, you're going to be thought about. God's going to think about you. And then at the end of the psalm, there's a surprise, and we're going to save it for that moment. We'll get to it then. But hear hear it again. I want you to hear the song for the very first time. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. You have searched me. You know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, that's in the morning, and my lying down at night. You're familiar with all my ways, my quirks. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Oh, Lord. Now, maybe you've heard the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. I saw this, I love this. Jesus knows me, this I love. That's what the psalmist is talking about. God knows you. It's an intimately personal way of thinking of God. Not just knowing about God, but knowing God and then being known by God. It's like saying, God gets me. God feels me. God understands me. God's familiar with all of my ways. He knows my thinking, my doing And he knows my speaking. That's what David has just said to us. He's familiar with all my ways. It means he knows you in your tears. He weeps too. He knows you in your laughter, that he enjoys the celebration of joy with you. He he knows your favorite color. He knows your favorite food. He He knows your favorite music. Jesus said that God knows you so well, he knows how many exactly, precisely, the number of hairs 
on your head. And for some of us, it's an easier count than others. But, you know, it's like I'm just telling you, I realize the little shine that's showing up there. And God does too. God knows you. And he wants you to know it. God knows you. And he wants you to know that he knows you. Why? Because he wants you to know him. It's a personal friendship. He, he, to, to be friends with God is to be deeply loved and completely known by God. And so, you know, one of the best things a friend can say is, I get you. I like you. That's what David is saying. God, God's my friend. And next he says, you hem me in. Behind, before, and then you lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. You know, I go up, I go all the way down. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and that's all the way east. If I settle on the far side of the sea, that's all the way west. It's like, man, even there, your hand guides me and your right hand holds me. If I go all the way up, all the way down, all the way left, all the way right, I mean, God can't, God is there. And you still got me. You still get me and you still got me. And you don't even need a GPS locator tracking device. That's what David is saying. You know, you know me. If I say surely the darkness will hide me because I can't see stuff in the dark and we say so in the dark, that's the place to hide. Nobody sees you in the dark. When it's lights out, you're gone. No, he said when it's lights out, God is lights up. The darkness, the light comes night around me. You won't be able to see me in the dark, but even the darkness will not be dark to you. For darkness is as light. The night will shine like the day. And that's without infrared technology, without night vision goggles. I mean, God's way ahead of technology. We're still playing catch up. We're just learning God's truths and God's realities in God's world. What's he saying? Not only does God know me, God's always got me covered. He's with me. The words, him, me, in, verse 5, mean you never leave me out. God is so close, in fact, that I can't move. It's like a crowded elevator where you just, no. He's saying God is so close that I can't move without being touched by God. He's got me covered. I'm thinking about that plastic wrap at the Miami International Airport. You know, you give them your suitcase and they, all sides of it. That's what he's saying about God. You know, he's got you covered. And and the dark isn't dark to God. It's like if you got sucked in to the most dense, deep matter, dark hole in the cosmos, it lights up for God. Imagine that. Full of daylight for God. Verse 13, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Try that one when you're looking in the mirror. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My name was, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. 
And then all my days, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Man, you're way ahead of me, God. It's like from the cosmic macro vision of the entire universe, then David takes us right into the personal micro vision of his very own personal origin. He's saying, God is so so powerful. You're the whole reason I'm here. You're at work. You were at work designing me, weaving all my parts into this wonderful work of art and beauty and skill and performance. You know, I read that Ferrari celebrated its 70th anniversary in 2017. Issued special car for that. Uh, Can you imagine if the Ferrari automobile could speak to its maker, what would it say? I'm thinking, I'm so cool. You know, that's, that's what it would say. It was like, thank you for making me so awesomely cool. Um, you made me for speed. You made me for beauty. You made me for high performance. If, if a Ferrari could speak to its maker, what would it say? If a Stradivarius could speak to Antonio Stradivari, who was widely considered the greatest violin maker of all time, you know his violins sell for $14 million each, if a violin could speak to Stradivari, what would it say? You know what it would say? I'm so amazing. <laughs> you made me so incredibly amazing. I'm so awesome. You made me with such superior quality. Others look at me and go, ah, you're the reason I'm here. Thank you. Your vision and skill have set me apart. So to say, I'm a Stradivarius says something. David is saying, you know, God, thank you so much. I praise you for the awesome. You have designed me to inspire awe and reverence and cause astonishment. I'm a work of art that can create art. I'm a masterpiece that is mastering pieces. You made me to make the world better. You made me with a distinction that sets me apart from the monotony of the ordinary. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body when you were doing that. Uh, This is like before ultrasound, you know. That's like late technology. God's way ahead of ultrasound. He sees it all. You ordained all of my days. What that means is you got a purpose. you got a plan for my life. You, you didn't create me random. I am your workmanship. I reflect your artistry. And so Ephesians 3 says, or Ephesians 2.10, speaking of Paul speaking of how God wants to redeem and restore what sin has tried to steal away. He says, we are God's masterpiece, God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good. Jesus said, even greater things shall you do. Such is our maker's power. Now, if you haven't caught it yet, you see what David is doing. Uh, He is celebrating in such a profoundly and personal way some of the first deep thoughts about God that I ever had. I I, I heard words like this, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent the omnis of God. That's really what David is saying. You know, if you're a friend with God, you get to know him in his omnicompetence. 
this omnipresence of God, this omniscience of God. God is all-seeing and all-knowing. He's omniscient. There is nothing that can be known that God doesn't know. And God is ever-present. Everywhere you go, God is already there. There's nowhere that God is not. Again, God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. There is nothing he cannot do. That's why from time to time we'll encourage us just to shout it out. Nothing is too hard for God. That's what David is doing in the psalm. What's it like to be friends with God? Well, you get to know him in his omnis. This song is a celebration of the omnis of God, but the most surprising thing we discover in what God is what God does with his omnicompetencies. You know what he does? Verse 17 says he focuses them on his beloved creation. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. You're thinking about me. This is blowing me away. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And he says, when I wake, I'm still with you. It's like when I'm sleeping, you're thinking about me. Are you serious? And then I wake up and you're still thinking about me. This is like, wow, what's it like to be a friend of God? He says, well, God applies his mind, his presence, and his power in a personal way to his beloved human creation. So to be friends with people like David, like you, like me, to be there, to be with, to be on their side, to be caring and loving. And I'm saying, wow, I could use some of that. You know, I need some of that. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, you know, like I thought as I was looking at this, that's pretty good poetry, you know. But maybe it's just poetry because, you know, it's not that satisfying in real life. That's not how life works. If God is so smart, if God is so close, if God is so strong, then why doesn't God do something about the mess the world's in? Sometimes my thoughts go there. You know, why does God let things get so out of control? Now, it's interesting that you should wonder that because it sounds like that's the next place David's mind goes in the psalm, verse 19. If only you would slay the wicked. Oh, God, away from me, bloodthirsty men. They, the violence in the world, I, stop it. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. I'm telling you, do I not hate those who hate you? I ab Oh, Lord, I abhor those who rise up against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. Now, somebody's feeling uncomfortable with, with, with those words. Um, slay the wicked. Eliminate the evil adversaries. I hate them, Lord. I have nothing but hatred for them. Now, in our day of increased sensitivity about hate speech, we, under why, we understand why people uh, get nervous about words like that when they show up in the Bible, especially about a friendship with God. What does that mean? I mean, the context here is David's realization that there are things in this world that he's having to encounter that are just not right. That uh, he sees injustice, he sees irreverence, he sees ungodliness, he sees betrayal, he sees treachery, he sees the innocent suffer, he sees the guilty get away with crimes, he sees violence and blood being shed, he sees people getting abused, and it's like he's just getting worked up. I mean, he's just getting emotional about it. He's angry, and then his anger turns into rage, and the next thing you know, it's coming out of his mouth. And maybe you don't like to use the word hate, but I'm saying you might still agree with David, there are hateable things in life. Maybe 
Maybe you think that you're, there's something that just needs to be dealt with. Why doesn't somebody do something about that? And these are things that make us believe, God, you know, God, if you would just remove the perpetrator, then uh, life would be better. This is life like in the movies. Maybe some of the movies you go to see. God, would you just be the equalizer? That's what David is saying here. Would you just kill the bad guys? Would you stop the evil? You got all this power. You got all this mind. Would you just do something? Why, why do the innocent suffer? Why do the guilty get away with so much? Why? If God is all-knowing, maybe this is how you thought it or heard somebody in your family, somebody, a friend that you love, ask it. If God is all-knowing, if God is all-powerful, if God is ever-present, then why doesn't he just fix this? Or maybe you've thought it this way. If God wants to be my friend, why doesn't he do something about the problems I've got? At work, at home, in my marriage, with my husband, with my wife, with my kids, with my boss. <laughs> if God wants to be my friend, then why? You know, we're going to be taking, these are great questions, by the way. We're going to be taking on some of these hardest questions that people ask in our series in February called Explore God asking some of the most challenging intellectual questions that any faith view has to deal with. But for us today, I just want to say it comes down to this. If God has a will and a purpose for my life that is good and helpful, why isn't it happening? Good question. And there, here, the psalm takes a very interesting turn. He's been pouring out his inner turmoil. It's raw. It's real. He's been celebrating, and then he's like, why don't you do something? And, uh, and then he's all ramped up in rage, and, and he says, you know, I'm just ready to take some names and go do some damage. And then it's like a cold front comes out of the north and just like, whoo, chills the rage. Something happens in his thinking. Look at the song yourself and see if you follow me. It's like he's thinking like, well, as one wonderfully and marvelously made, I, I guess I'm supposed to be part of that solution. And then it's like it dawns on him, hey, maybe I'm also part of the problem. Which then this is the verse that comes next. This is a danger zone we're entering. Search me, oh God. Know me. Know my heart. Test me. And then and test my anxious thoughts. And then see if there's any offensive way in me. Offensive means there's something in me that's part of the problem. You know, I'm lying, I'm cheating, I'm stealing, I'm sleeping around, I'm hurting people, I'm, I'm not following through. Would you search me and try me? And then here we see, and then he says, and then lead me in the way everlasting. There's a better way that when life ends, this way doesn't the way that's full of life. And here we see what being a friend of God really means. It's like he's saying, Lord, you know what I need you to do with all those on me competent skills? I need you to bring them right here into a clear focus on me and in me. I need you to be so close to me that you are knowing me and then you are showing me what you see in me. And then I want to say, Lord, before I even know what it is, I want to say to you, would you change me? 
Would you go to work in me so that my life can be part of the solution here that you would have me be? So this, this is how God gets his will done in this world, through his friends, through people like David, who act justly, who love mercy, and who walk humbly with God as their friend. These are people who care about what's right, yes, but they care about people too, and they care about bringing God's friendship to others, and that's why they pray things like this. God, would you just do a spiritual MRI on me right now? Lord, I just pray that you would do a moral x-ray of my life, that you would test me, like do a diagnostic on me. And... uh, and keep searching me. But once you know me, Lord, would you grow me into the way everlasting? You know, uh, sometimes people stay away from God because they believe God's going to wound them. Uh, they're afraid they're going to be judged. They're afraid they're going to be condemned. They're afraid that God's not safe. God, they think God's not safe. And what David has discovered in his friendship with God is that God loves him so much that he can be safe to tell the truth with. That he can trust God's diagnosis. So he says, God, I want you to be my doctor, and I want you to do the diagnostic, and then I want you to do the surgery, and then I want you to bring me into healing and strength so that the world can change because I'm changing. And what I want to say to you is that that's where God wants to take you to. If you want to be his friend, this is God's plan for your friendship. And it's, it's scary. It's scary to be known in a Psalm 139 way But I'm also telling you, if you will not let God know you in this way, then chances are, uh, if you you learn, let me say it positively first. If you learn to let God know you in this way, then it's going to deepen your capacity and strengthen your authenticity to the point that others will also be able to know and love and respect you in a fresh way. And probably your joy quotient is going to go up too. Like when we were doing the search for the audio clips to put the the earlier part of the message together, uh, we came across we came across a YouTube video that is entitled "Golden Girls Gospel Remix" that shows maybe the what rises up in joy when God is your friend. Check this out. His last word was the exclamation point, hallelujah. See, when you become friends with God, there's a new song that is put in your heart. And what I wanted us to see, could God free your heart up? Could God fill you with a little more joy? If you were his friend, thank you for being my friend. On the other hand, 
If you're not letting yourself be known to God and by God, then chances are you're going to have a hard time doing it with others too. Like I'm thinking, you know, somebody in your life is probably going to say something like this. You, why, don't, why don't you open up to me? I don't know who you are. Why don't you let me in? Why don't you talk to me? Because, and, and I know uh, that when those questions, I, I can tell you why. You may not know how to answer, but I can tell you why I don't let people in sometimes because I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid of being scolded. I'm afraid of being embarrassed, you know. I want to be accepted and celebrated. I don't want to be wounded. So how do I deal with that? Well, I got two other verses written by David's son. One of them, the first one, Proverbs 27, 6, the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. When you find a friend you can trust, it's a safe place to bring your truth and then 1 John 4:18 the closest of the disciples to Jesus the beloved apostle John said perfect love drives out fear so when you let God love you the way David is saying then you discover that it's the way to push through that scary place that keeps you from being known to God and others is by trusting that love casts out fear and realizing God's not out to get you God's not trying to condemn you. You know what? God wants to friend you. Would you let God be your friend? How can you be a friend with God? I'm thinking it happens like your friendship with anybody else. You know what you got to do to be friends? You got to let them in. Got to let them in. Then you got to spend time together. Then you got to talk to them. You got to listen to them. Then you start coming up with things you can do together. And both friends get to say, I think I'd like to do this. Want to come with me? And the other, yeah, it's both ways. What if friendship with God happens like that, that you say to God, I want to let you in. Have you done that yet? This is where it starts. I want to let you in. And then you say, and I want to hear from you. I want to, I want to listen to you. Okay, I'm going to listen to your word as you speak. And then you say, and I, I know you want to listen to me, so I'm going to talk to you in prayer. And, and I'm going to spend time with you. And then when I enter my day, I'm going to welcome you. I want to do my life with you. God, would you come and work with me? Would you enter the conversation with me with my family? I, I, want to, I want to listen to your promptings. If you want to give me wisdom, then I want to go with you. When you lead me to do something, I want to do something with my friend. So I'm going to do things that you want to do too. Could it be that your friendship with God could grow that way if you were willing to maybe even put it in a song and then as you follow his promptings, you might find yourself saying, thank you for being my friend. And then do your own uh, ad-lib stuff, you know. Here are two promises God wants to give his friends. Jesus gave us these. I'm with you always. Surely, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. And never, never will I leave you Never will I forsake you. Would you pray with me? You're willing to let God be friends with you today? Then lean in. Yes, Lord. I want to get to know you better. 
to spend time with you, to listen to you, to talk with you, to walk with you, to do life with you. As you search me and show me what's been getting in the way. And then when God puts his finger on something, he says, well, it was that thing you said. It was when you did that. And the Holy Spirit tells you something specific, then you say, well, then, Lord, I give it to you. Here, have that. I don't need it if it's going to interfere with my friendship with you. And let him cleanse and forgive and free your heart up to find joy again. Maybe God has prompted you about something you know he wants you to do. Well, then today is the day to say, Lord, I'm going to do it as soon as I can. The next available opportunity. Maybe it's letting go of a grudge or offering forgiveness. Then Jesus said, when, when you re- you're at the altar and you realize that something's blocking the way, you've got to go do that and free it up. So would you say yes to God right now? And if you're on the front end of your spiritual journey and would like to begin a friendship with God, then it can happen through a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, come in to my life. If you want to be my friend, then I'd like to be friends with you. Come into my life. Shine your light on me. And then forgive my sins and lift me to the way everlasting. I receive the gift of salvation by grace and ask you to lead me now. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, wherever you're joining us on all of our campuses across the nation as well, around the world, you raise your hand right now and let us have an opportunity to pray God's blessing upon your next steps of faith. Here in our room, I'm seeing many hands. Our pastors are in our congregations right now also praying. And Lord, for every person who by uplifted hand here or joining us digitally, Lord, would you cause them to know your presence with them, cause them to feel your joy over them, your forgiveness for them, and the beginning of a brand new day as we make our prayer in your name, Jesus. Amen.